bulldoze the high street and build a giant park. Is Stockton the future of Britain? So ran the headline in The Guardian last February. But why? Well, let's ask a real hero of mine, Neil Schneider, former chief executive at Stockton-upon-Tees Borough Council and someone who really knows how to inspire change at a city scale. Hello, Neil. So, uh, hello, Neil. Thank you for joining me today. Hello. Good to see you. Good to have you. So I've so I have been. I must say I've been talking about Stockton upon Tees uh, so much over the last few months since I first wrote about it in that RIBA book, and 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 I've often been talking about it as the canary in the mine, in that so many other town centres are now waking up to the fact that they desperately need to reignite their town centres, and they need to think about how a mixed bag of activities will better bring life to the city. But you came to this 10 years ago. And I wondered if you could tell me a bit of the history of, 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 of how you began. Right. I, I'm happy to do so, Adam. Uh, I'll give you a bit of context for it then. Um, Stockton-on-Tees, it's, it's a large borough up in the northeast, a population of about 200,000. But it's, it's uh, made up effectively of five different town centres, actually, each different, their own history, their own heritage, a sense of pride and all the rest of it. Stockton in particular, uh, the largest of them, um, a very old historic market town, 700-year market charter, um, the widest high street in, in Britain, um, incredible place uh, on the banks of the River Tees. Um, and it had a, a proud, I mean, it was called the Queen of the North, its market, and real reputation, uh, strength of it and so on. But uh, sadly, like many towns, um, I'd say it had been bastardised um, in pursuit of what was seen at the time of the much coveted, we all want an indoor modern shopping centre. And so parts of Stockton sadly disappeared um, and were replaced by this huge, great big concrete block that was to be full of all the latest brand name shops with an indoor mall. Uh, and I get that, you know, it's not been overly critical of those at the time. That was the pursuit and, you know, of what people were wanting. But I must say it came at a similar time to when, even more tragically, I believe, um, planning consent was given to an, an enormous out-of-town retail park uh, a mile and a third away from Stockton Town Centre, Teesside Retail Park. Uh, and it's hugely successful. It employs a lot of people and clearly contributes to the local area. But of course, it was granted planning permission at a national level, despite all the objections from the local authorities in Stockton, Middlesbrough, Darlington, and other town centres. Um, now, when you've got something like that, you know, the decision is, you know, do you compete with it or not? And that would have been futile, to be honest, in a retail context. So, you know, the real thing there is we're going to have to, try and differentiate uh, an offer. Um, so this was happening, and that gives a, peer, a bit of a picture of, you know, where the, the town centre was was positioned. Of course, the retail park doing well. Then, of course, we saw this enormous change in lifestyle habits, consumer behaviour, the internet, shopping. It all just started to change. Now, if I say the defining point, Adam, was really... Uh, if I say defining or a call it, I'd, I'd just become 
the chief exec of the local authority. We'd been trying to build and position Stockton as a bit of a uh, get in a niche market for events and some colleagues had done a brilliant job at developing Stockton International Riverside Festival as one of the largest outdoor street festivals and theatre festivals, you know, in, in Europe. So we were doing well with that. And then, of course, the retail aspect started to really show in terms of numbers of closures. And it started to get a little bit noisy locally about, oh, what's happening here in Stockton? Um, How long ago was that, Neil? It was about 12 years. Well, I'm saying probably about 15 years ago, Adam, I'd, yeah. I'd suggest, when it was really at its core. And it was signified particularly with the closure of two different places. The first was Woolworths. There was a very large store and a main anchor tenant of the shopping centre. And, you know, they were one of the latest, you know, just to collapse. But it left a really big space and people really started to to you know, be muttering around it about what was happening to Stockton. The retail park was the place to go. And then uh, McDonald's closed uh, on the high street as well. So, you know, if you read the local press, you'd have thought that that was the end of the world as we know it almost. And uh, doomsday, you know, it was... But in a reasoned way, there was genuine questions concerned about what's happening and what's anyone doing around it? And if I say at the time when I'd become chief exec, you know, I was sat there, elected members started to be asking more questions about this, about what, what is happening here, what, what can we do? And even at that time, there was a lot of, if I say, community noise, which was good, I, I think. And uh, I, I remember sitting around a meeting table with the corporate management team of, of officers having this discussion, Woolworths has closed, what's going on? And the head of our comms division comes in and, and starts saying there's been quite a bit, even in them days, in, on like the social media site, by this guy who was a, a musician stroke community activist. He was a front man of a local band called the Wildcats of Kilkenny, regularly seen with a fiddle and, and fronting this band. But he was he often had observation and comment on his hometown and he was rightly prompting just what's going on, who's taking responsibility for what's happening here. Now, when his name got mentioned in that meeting, I looked around and the, the eyes were rolling. <laughs> oh, Mike McGraw, oh, what's he got to say? And I became quite fascinated that he had this reputation of, of being like a, a social commentator or an observer. And and I really wanted to meet him and and so set about getting to meet him. And I went to see him in the local art centre, place called Ark. He'd tell the story much better than me because he he tells people that when I'd arranged to meet him, he thought I was going to go and serve some type of legal writ on him for, for two hours. And I absolutely not. I was just fascinated as to really why he was so bothered, why he was so impassioned about this empty unit, the, the shopping centre and whatever. And I must have spent a couple of hours with him. And I realised that there was a guy, he, he could talk about the history, his relatives, what the town had meant to people, the experiences they'd had, how it had impacted on their lives, how what they could recall. He actually just really, really cared about his town and with a passion that was wonderful, actually. Um, and he was just concerned that, you know, his kids, their kids, what, what's the town going to be like if this continues on? Now, 
I reflected on that a lot. And despite, if I say, the pressure from politicians and others to just do something quickly, we actually pressed, I'd call it, say, pressed a pause button. Because just to be clear, my professional background wasn't town centres or anything of that ilk. You know, it was it was in housing, actually. It was different. And I didn't feel, like, qualified or equipped to really start and want to, you know, get involved with this. Now, that was at the time when I'd read an article in a national newspaper about this guy who'd written a book about, and it was called Who Killed the High Street? And it was Bill Grimsey, the ex-chief exec of Wix and Iceland and whatever. Now, I'll be honest, I just thought, well, I, I, I'll try and find out as much as I can. <laughs> I read his book over a weekend. Now, it was quite a defining point in this because I, I believe then I had a little bit of understanding, not just of the retail sector and how it was fundamentally changing, but also the connotations around how the property aspects were driving a lot of it and what was going on. So uh, in going back to the management team at Stockton, it was a case of we got to try and resist just doing something quickly and stop gap for Woolworths. This is a fundamental shift that I can't see, you know, halting around this town centre because everything the bill is suggesting, out-of-town retail parks, changing nature of retail trends, younger people's requirements and needs being met, the you know, onset of technology influencing us more. All of these things were going to just be continuing to evolve. So the pause button was really to give us opportunity to think differently. We, we can't just, if I say, patch this up. It needs a fundamental rethink. And and we did take a bit of time, informed by some of the stuff we'd been doing around the significance and impact that art, leisure and culture was having. There was a huge opportunity for the local authority, I believed, to not just show some leadership, but to assist in thinking and, and delivering what a different type of town centre could be. So so that that's how I'd describe where we, we got to. We said, pause, rethink it. And what over a relatively short period of time we did an enormous amount of talking to people and that was tough at times because I lost count the number of meetings I'd go to and my opening line used to be I'm going to underwhelm you next aren't coming Marks and Spencers aren't coming and John Lewis aren't coming none of them are coming into Stockton the next one you know mentions Primark we've asked them they're not coming either and and we were very honest and open about what was happening, but at the same time not down, because we genuinely believed there was a better alternative, actually. And and what we were looking at was how here the town's history about its people, and then I think fundamentally how we'd done so much in terms of a town centre with you know, with its history of markets, with its art and culture offer. The, the the resurrection of the river really, which had due to the, a magnificent investment on a on a barrage, had created this or turned this dirty working industrial river into effectively a ten mile stretch of lake, which of course the town centre had turned its back on. So I, I actually genuinely thought we've got an opportunity here to almost reposition it all and to think differently. So we went and talked to as many people as we could, residents, businesses service industry, the lot, to harbour ideas, to harvest ideas off people, 
to, you know, because we didn't have a monopoly on them, I promise you. Uh, and it was also great to hear all of those stories of why, why people felt so proud. I think, Adam, the, the point I'd say is I'd realised that a lot of people who loved their town were falling out of love with it. And by that, they were, they, they, they were losing the connection to it. Now, I, I always say this, I think looking back, maybe that, you know, model of all town centres have become clones, but we'd probably lost something that we used to have when it was more local, more family orientated and so on. So I, I just, I think we realised that there was an opportunity to maybe get a lot of that back, but we weren't, whilst we were looking backward for history, heritage, and if I say that reconnection of the heart, we wanted to look forward to the future for something that could be dynamic, vibrant and interesting. And we set about developing this, what we called a prospectus, but it was really, it was a vision. And, you know, uh, when I say a vision, you know, it starts, we, you know, we draw it, <laughs> we create it, you know, rather than write it as a corporate strategy and a plan. And I, I tell you, we did do that later. Yeah. I always thought that bit was duller, <laughs> but I wanted it to come to life. I wanted to imagine 20 years, 30 years from then, it's been successful. Yeah. What will it look like? And let's draw it. Mm. And it was amazing how quickly people came to that and, we, you know, to, to carry out that exercise with groups of people, residents, businesses, and so on, it's actually exciting and uplifting because it's yeah. it's positive. We could have that. This will be here. It'll be great. People will come from all over. Do you know what I mean? It, it initiates that. Wow, what's in the art of the possible? Yeah. So, so we resisted only doing what we think we could afford <laughs> mm. because we'd probably not done much because that's really all we could afford at the time. <laughs> but we deliberately didn't. We said, no, yeah. if if 30 years from now we've been successful, what would we have, uh, uh, could we have done? And we then almost worked back from that. And, mm. you know, that prospectus, I, I'd suggest, probably had a number of, co- of key critical aspects you know, it it was a it was what we call a, a a plan that was would take us towards realizing that successful vision. Albeit we knew the scale of it was enormous, the cost of it in pure financial terms would be huge. It would require the buy-in of so many people and agencies and organisations. So the biggest job of all was winning hearts and minds. I think it, it, it's it's fascinating that you took that time to pause that you went through it in terms of all of those questions and that very being those sort of thoughtful ethnographers on the ground, just person by person building it up. And then critically, even though you saw the scale of the endeavor to follow, that you began with small steps. And I find it particularly interesting that, you know, your language around event town and how that kind of, you know, the festival model so successful with the Riverside Festival became critical in that. And I wonder if you could tell us a bit about that or maybe tell us what it's like on a busy Friday evening within one of your festival moments on the high street. Because, I mean, like you say, why does high street, I think, in in, in Britain, and as we walked around there, I was blown away by the the variety of things that were on offer, but the sheer scale of it. Tell us a bit about that. Well, that's what, you know, made it so unique to me, in that you can see it on a, 
you know, on a, on one day, and it looks like there's a vast array of of what can be empty space. We started to look at it because we'd seen it when Riverside Festival was on, and we just see lots of performance spaces, a variety of great little nooks, crannies, ginnels that lead to little yards that can all be lit, could be you know presented differently. That when they're at the best, the town is alive. It's a great place to explore, to see people, to watch things. Now, some of those shows are by nature huge. You, you know, I'm talking a health and safety officer's nightmare where we're bringing, you know, trapeze acts right down. We've had guys on a motorbike on a trapeze wire above our heads. We've had Prometheus, the massive outdoor show, huge, huge scale puppets, um, you know, some massive scaled theatrical events. But also alongside little one and two person shows, everywhere in the town centre can become a, a small stage, a pop up stage, you know. So when when during the festival, it had that buzz that people would associate with a city like Edinburgh when it has say, the Fringe Festival on, because it's programmed in different parts of the town. People are manoeuvring around to see the different bits of shows that are on repeatedly. And what, what's critical about that is it's got a great atmosphere of people talking, chatting, sitting around, watching stuff, going to the next show. And we didn't think it was... We thought it could be like this more often. <laughs> it, it, you know, not in terms of maybe that scale all the time, but where there's always often things happening, things to see, things to do. Mm. And, and this issue of could we replicate some of those theatrical performances... Yeah. with pieces of art. Yeah, yeah. And and it was that that led to our, you know, this actually think differently about it. Well, I, I mean, when we were there, the, the, the extraordinary automata that we saw <laughs> yeah. kind of coming out of a blimp, you know, making extraordinary noise and burping and belching and farting yeah. noises and children from all over coming to join it and parents. Yeah. And that was a wonderful moment. But so I think that's what I find interesting about it too. You're not... This is not event or activation just as an you know a special day event. This is you're hardwiring it into your built yeah. environment, isn't it? It's every day. It has the possibility, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean that was the aim, Adam. That you know we we were drawing reference to Stockton's history with the link to the birthplace of the passenger railway, yeah. with a very bespoke made you know piece of performing art that as you say comes out of a plinth on you know in, in on the high street with a, a beautiful piece of poetry around it and at one o'clock the doors open out the roof and out this thing comes but we were it's it's celebrating our history and with a nod to the reference but yet yeah, it's, it's creating a fascinating interesting little show every day that's that, that grounds the town centre. And yeah. that's one of many pieces of public art installation that we wanted to be like a point of reference. Yes. Yeah, it's a statement of intent, isn't it? It helps set the tone for everything. I, I, absolutely. Of, of the, you might just look around and there's some cracking things to tell and see. And we, want, mm. we wanted, and still I know, want more of that. Yeah, yeah. And then within that, I mean, there, there was a number of, also kind of big ticket elements, notably, you know, thinking about the theatre and all of the, I mean, the, the sort of the hard landscaping you did up and down. That this yeah. Episode. I mean, those, because also, I mean, some of what you're talking about is about, 
is slow and thoughtful and conversate. Every single hand you shake is a critical part of the dynamic. And some of it's about massively sticking your neck out, isn't it? And and a, a dr there's something very dramatic about the theatre. And I, I'm interested in, in how that came about. Tell us a bit more about that. Okay, well, there was a... I referred to these different key planks, really, as part of mm. the plan. Uh, now, you know, very quickly... You know, we wanted more people living in the town centre. That was a one aspect. Uh, we wanted all of the council's service facilities as possible in the high street and in the town centre. You know, your, your, your swimming pools, your leisure facilities, they bring footfall. Let's get them on the high street, the libraries, the customer service centres. All of that we wanted right bang in, in the heart of the town centre. We wanted as many businesses and set up and start up businesses coming out the universities and colleges in the high street and town centre and we worked hard to to bring that as well um you know again working with with others um you know the market was still key we needed to reinvigorate and to help that survive we developed with the local college and programs to get the next generation of market traders you know fresh and youth markets and stuff like that we look to develop a year-round programme of speciality markets. And my goodness, we've seen all sorts. We've seen Star Wars characters, Daleks, all sorts at the sci-fi market, alongside, you know, your Chic and Vintique market. You know, obviously, we programmed it alongside a little bit of theatre, if that makes sense, but to make it visually interesting and exciting. But what And one of those trends was about changing the evening economy offer but building on this this history of Stockton being a place where there was if I say a, a significant art and cultural offer um so we had a, a beautiful Georgian theatre that was a great like I'd call it an indie music venue with recording studios run by a not-for-profit organization we wanted to see them grow and develop and really embed that in the town a, a, a fantastic uh I call it arc which is i'd say a, a brilliant arts center with great community programming a really really full program of of inclusivity for the the whole borough at that art center but then we had this the thing that most people's history of stockton seemed to be about the globe theater that in its heyday hosted every big name you could mention, the Rolling Stones, the Beatles, Scylla Black, all of them. And the historic point is that the night that Kennedy was assassinated, the Beatles played at Stockton. And there was a lot of... said, If you ask... Well, if everybody who's told me they went, then, you know, it would have been full 10 times over. So everyone who I know in Stockton knows somebody who was there. But... What, it, what struck me with it, with the Globe is everyone seems to have a memory of it mm. because at its time it had a great mixed programme from opera to comedy to cabaret to you name it. But, of course, that type of offer and your bands and your comedians, they tended to play Newcastle or Leeds. Now, you know, part of that plan was could it ever be brought back into use? Now, the start position was it was in private ownership and it was absolutely dilapidated, seriously dilapidated. Uh, and this this theatre is subterranean in that 
the majority of it is literally underground. You're walking at street level and you're up in the stalls. But grid listed art deco, incredible. Now, for every bit of intuition that told me that this can't be done, there was something about it that just made you think this this could be the real unique offer in Stockton. And we spent years and years and years working it through with heritage lottery people, the private sector owner, our own teams to try and understand it better, what was in the art of the possible. Now, you know, ultimately, I mean, look, it, it's it's open now. It's, I mean, last week, you know, I could tell you, you know, daytime matinee and evening show of uh, Mr Tumble, packed out full of young kids and parents going to see Mr Tumble. And then on the evening, you've got Rod Gilbert doing his comedy show. Next week, either it's James Morrison or whatever amusement. I'm saying it's a variety, but it's busy again. Now, it was £28 million. That's a heck of a, of a spend. But it's fundamentally repositioned Stockton's offer. That's helped facilitate the opening of a brand new Hilton Hotel in the town centre. It's led to the opening, as you would expect, of a number of other eateries, redevelopments of small bars and so on, which is, you know, during the day, the coffee houses or, or whatever. It, but it's, it's led to other investment on its way. But again, I look back and we are proud that, in fairness to the council that I was lucky enough to work for, the elected members were bold enough to see what how, what transformational impact that could have. Um, and actually, we used to say, well, why should it be that young people in Stockton need to go to Leeds and Newcastle to experience that extent of art and culture? Mm. Um, but it, it, as you can imagine, it was tough to knit it all together yeah. and to make it happen. Yeah, I bet, I bet, I bet. And, and it's, you know, it's an act of the, the extraordinary consistency of you over those many years, well, you know, 15 years, and then the many years you were within the council before that. And I think that's the, it's the constancy of this I find really interesting. And particularly that vision that, you know, your whole body language there is circling things. And I think, you know, that speaks of, of how you dwell up and down the high street. It speaks of the way you're constantly thinking about it as a journey. It speaks of the variety within the programme. And I suppose when it, when, one of the things that listeners might find most surprising then within that is also we're talking about a high street where so much of it has been rewired and you've gone back to some basics in terms of the variety that a great high street should offer but also some of it is now going to be knocked down isn't it so that then you can better open it up to the river and i wondered if you could tell us a bit about that because that's a big move isn't it yeah absolutely i mean the first if, if the first stage was to create this central area in the town centre with fountains but let's be clear we designed that as a, a bit like an outdoor am amphitheatre so it be it would also become a performing space so the street lighting isn't street lighting it's more theatrical lighting you know we can like everything we can put all sorts of shows and events on in many parts of the town we did it deliberately but the the last of us a major physical intervention because i think you know adam have uh, the, I'll always say this, even though I've just, I'll contradict myself and say the Globe Theatre was hard. Mm. The physical things, the projects, the hard, but the doable. The hardest bit was the people bit, without doubt, 
but also likewise, it's the most enjoyable when you start to see it come to fruition. But the biggest physical intervention was, it, it, it sounds a little bit simplistic this, but we just had far too much retail space that was never going to be filled. And it was a lot of it was unattractive, i.e. that concrete monstrosity. And the elected members had previously, you know, suggested it, you know, now it doesn't seem to be a great idea. And one of them, I think, had suggested it should blow it up. Mm. And uh, we took that almost, you know, seriously in terms of we've now got this fantastic river outlook. This could be something, again, transformational of its kind. So rather than have, you know, two half-empty shopping centres, let's have one that's got about the right level of offer for a town that size. Let's mix it all up in terms of this leisure and and other service industry offer. And let's create a wonderful town centre park area with more of this performing space, access to the river, more things for young people, families and so on. And that that it became just the big plan. And, you know, again, the, the council were confident enough to back it, led to the acquisition of both of the shopping centres. That plan is now making good progress. Demolition of that will of that centre will begin uh, later this year, and indeed, you know, most of the occupiers have either relocated into the other shopping centre, and that's happening yeah. at Pierce. Mm. Uh, it, it's thrilling. I mean, as we walked around, you know, just to go through the, the, those edges of where we're now going to see some of those Georgian and Victorian buildings that are then going to connect with a park and a commune centre and a library and the waterfront and all of that with access straight onto the high street. I mean, it's 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 like it's a perfect diagram, but only because you've be, you've been able to remove things, and I think that's very rare. Yeah, we've 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 intervened, and who else was going to do it? I, I mean, I said this, you know, this is this was a back to the bills, Grimsy, but you know, the the private a lot of the private sector investors had come, had their money, and left, and what we were left with, you know, it it, it led itself to could have been either further bastardized, or we needed to effectively step in and say, you know, look, this is a local authority acting on behalf of its residents to take control and to, to to take a responsibility for it, actually, because a lot of times, you know, town centres were left because they were, they were sorted by, you know, investors, estate agents and others just made it happen. And, you know, it, if you'd asked me at the beginning of my local government career, do you think that you'd say the town and the council would be responsible for all of this? I'd probably said no. That, I mean, that's a, and Bill, I mean, you know, he, he, I, I love the way he speaks about, you know, the, the sort of the hyper local sort of localization on steroids and the importance of, you know, particularly community led projects. And I mean, you, you, you've done that beautifully. But I think also what I love about it is the vision you speak of can work at many, many different scales. And I think that's the thing, too, that I mean, you and I were talking about this before we were recording that, you know, there's elements of this that anybody can get hold of. And I'm just if you could just say a word about that, because I think the way you probably run those sessions of, of gathering thoughts about vision sounds like it's, you know, it's very much about active listening and on the terms of not the audience, but participants. Could you tell me a bit about that? I've always been like 
so interested myself when I when I go and talk to people about their town centre that they've got so many stories to tell, and I love capturing them yeah. because my aim is to try and capture them and ensure they can be you know almost reflected in the future town centre because I want that to create help create the stories for the next generation. But I always found that whenever we went to lots of these sessions and events, I could either have a long discussion of factual stuff. I like to just take it down. And this thing of like, let's just imagine this is your town centre again and it's it's everything you want it to be. And I love people just drawing that. <laughs> yeah. You know, groups of people whose family are from it and inevitably it would have people in there who are falling in love in the town or the, there's connection to it, they go regularly, that's where they meet people. There's all these different aspects of reference. And we want to hang on to that because that's what a town centre should be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's how we try to build it up. And whether we were speaking at a business event, we'd try and get the same type of, you know, run it in a similar way. Looking for your business, if it's successful in 20 years, how will it work? What will it offer? So we could collate all of that so that this vision was alive and visual if I say a little bit more than your traditional 60-page corporate engineering, like, document. Because <laughs> I couldn't win hearts and minds with the latter, and I could with the first. <laughs> I think that's really powerful, too, when you think about, you know, those things you're saying about it being, you know, being personal, being, you know, alive, being visual. You know, it's you know, very human, very animated and program-led. And then multi-sensory. I mean, if you were to offer, you know, I said at the beginning, you know, thinking about Stockton as a, well, a prototype and a, and a powerful case study for town centres up and down the country. If you were to have one, well, it's very hard to boil all this down, but if they're looking at a point to start and they're being encouraged by the government and all those different funds to write a vision, where should they begin? Wow, it's a, it's a, heck, of a, it's a heck of a question, isn't it? Uh, I mean, the, the, well, where sh where should they begin? They should begin by imagining it being a huge, it's successful 30 years from now and capture that because my experience is people start with a vision of what they, can't, what they see are the problems, the blockers, the lack of money. So, you, you know, you never get to that big vision of what it can be. And the, the second most important thing is, look, I, I think the reason we managed to get such support from the council and traction and look there were plenty of nurses but we spent an enormous amount of time with with people having an honest open discussion about what it could be and what it wouldn't be but in a very positive way look we celebrated and made sure there were some early wins yeah all of that stuff that you can do um what would i say and i probably will pinch a thing from bill grimsey here then get the right leadership with people who care about it yeah. who it means something to they're not just passing through they don't see it as just another building project yeah. it's rooted in the local area yeah, with, yeah. and the people who have been who, who need to bring this to life they've got to care about it yeah yeah that makes it i mean that's yes that couldn't be clearer and tell me that i know it's work in progress and it and it always will be and always should be but what, what, tell me, what, what does Mike Grover think of where things are going? Well, Mike's very active in the, t in the town still, as you would imagine. He's still performing. He was performing at ARC in the local centre. Look, do you know what's great? 
he he loves it. He's passionate about it. He's a he's a supporter, but at the same time, he won't hesitate to still pass his observations and his comments when they're, they're not entirely supportive. But you know what? That's great, isn't it? Because I'd have hundred Mike McGrothers if the people who care about it. You know, and and bottle that. Whether or not he agrees with everything, he'll always have the opportunity to have a discussion. He'll become one of your advocate. People like that exist in every town as well. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. Well, Neil, thank you so much for joining us. I think this point about you know this very personal, you know, the conversation led approach to looking at projects at this scale is. It's really inspiring. So thank you very much for joining us. It's been a pleasure. I've enjoyed it. Thank you so much, Adam. <laughs> thank you, Neil. And to everybody, you must visit Stockton Montes. It's such a it's a wonderful thing. And and to be there on one of those festival days or yeah. any of those days, I think is an important thing. So go, 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 go. Yeah. <laughs> thank you, Neil. Thanks, Adam. Thank you for listening to the Free Thinking Podcast today. Do subscribe so you know when the next episodes are and do leave us a comment so we can get better and better. Thank you and see you soon.